When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, your boy, Karel Vejmelka, made 32 saves for the Arizona Coyotes as they defeated the Buffalo Sabres 4-1 to in what was a pretty tough game on Tuesday evening. The Sabres just flat out couldn't finish in this one. By and large, they were the better team throughout the game. And so, Taylor, I'll totally let you... Talk a little bit about your thoughts from the game, but what I want to ask with regard to the game specifically is losing to a team like Arizona obviously sucks, like flat out, like regardless of the circumstances, it sucks to lose a game like that. But with that being said, it is a very long season. We know this team, we know that there's going to be some stinkers along the way. So what I'm wondering from you is, is this loss and, and this string of losses that they're currently in right now indicative of uh, a bigger picture concern, or is it really just not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things? I don't, I don't know if it's a huge deal. I mean, it kind of shatters the illusion that they're a real playoff contender, especially if they lose to Vegas on Thursday or today when you're listening to this. Like it, it kind of gets at that point. But overall, in the in their progress and all that, or in where they are in the rebuild, I don't know if it's a huge deal. It's an annoying loss, though. Uh, it, it's interesting. Like you said, Vegmelka, my guy, or whatever Your his name boy. was. <laughs> yeah, he had a big game. The guy, you know what, supplanted Carter Hutton for good last year. And that's that's that. He's he's the Arthur Motes of Carter Hutton's career. Him and um, ocular nerves. So <laughs> I think it's it's worth noting, though, based on some of the uh, the numbers that came out and also the eye test, the Sabres were not getting really great opportunities. They were taking a lot of shots, but it was a real perimeter type game. And as any coach will tell you, any hockey coach, you don't really score a lot in the perimeter. You have to get in there either with quality shots or with rebounds. And they weren't getting a ton of either. They, so that's, that's kind of one of the, the stories of the game is that, yeah, they, they threw some pucks to the net and it didn't work. And I think even though you're dealing with one of the worst starting goalies in the NHL talent wise, you're, you're still dealing with an NHL starting goalie. There's, there's only uh I don't know, about 60 something of them. It's, it's, it's not a, a deep, deep club. So there's a lot of, it's, it, it's not a, I think it's not very often you can win or produce a lot of offense when you're not getting good chances in close in the net in the slot. On the other hand, they scored a power play goal. Uh, Arizona did. They scored an empty net goal, and then they scored a goal on, I guess we would qualify as a strange bounce. Yeah, which so, always happens against Arizona. There's always a weird one. 
Yeah, not necessarily yeah. this time around to the degree of like the butt goal, for example, but point still stands. Right. So I don't. I wouldn't say Comrie had a bad game. It seemed like a fairly even game. Like this, all things considered, it could have been a game that went to overtime, one to one or two to two, and gone from there. But that's not a good effort from the Sabers. That's that's actually a, a pretty annoying effort after coming off two losses, playing a team like Arizona. Arizona's record not bad. Sorry, their Arizona's record is not bad, but their talent is, their underlyings are, and despite that they have uh, a couple guys who have had interesting starts to the year, we know they're a really bad team, and we know the Sabres are better. So that's a game you'd like to see guys play better in, like create more offensive opportunities. And this is also when I guess I should mention that the blue line's still really banged up, but it wasn't really the blue line's fault. No, no. Well, I mean, they just, like you said, it it was a matter of not getting enough high quality chances and then just not being able to finish. And, you know, it could be said that obviously, as I had mentioned at the top of the episode, that they had controlled play for a good amount of the game. But again, at the end of the day, it's meaningless if the chances you're getting aren't of of high quality or high danger chances. Um, And so with that being said, I think, you know, you'd mentioned the power play there still by and large, it it just, well, for the Coyotes, but at least for the Sabres side of things, Still not looking good. Again, Granado just, for as much as he does right, there's some some head-scratching choices that he makes. And again, he, he takes Quinn off the power play in this game. And I just don't understand why we're continuing to try to make the middle stat thing work. That's just like one spot, but just generally speaking with middle stat. Like for today's lines, for example... Uh, let me pull them up here. I just had them. Uh, Lance from the Buffalo News. They had they were running Skinner, Thompson, Hinostroza, Paterka, Cousins, Tuck, Asplund, Middlestat, Olafson, Gergensen's, Krebs, Opozo. Why is why are Krebs and, and Middlestat not switched? You know, we we talked. That's a last, great question. We talked last episode about how Asplund has the ability to not only elevate Olafson, but he also has shown in the brief time that they've gotten to play together this year that he also can help with Krebs too playing down the middle and really helping cover for, you know, with him being the center on the line, being able to cover for some of, uh, you know, defensive deficiencies, whatever you want to call it. And I just go back to what is middle step and doing that is, that is earning that look more than Krebs is at this point. And again, we're at this, this place of now we have one too many forwards still. And I know of course injuries can happen and that can change the, the landscape of things, but Quinn was rotating out at practice today and, and was the extra. And so it just kind of feels like more and more, you know, it is a long season, of course. And that's like the main thing at the end of the day, it is a very long season. As we saw last year, how things look in October, November is completely different for how they can look in February and March. But with that being said, though, they are still in the midst of a pretty important stretch right now, you know, at this stage of the game and really with where they're going to be positioning themselves going into the new year. And, I just, I want Quinn and Krebs and Paterka and Asplund to be getting games, uh, to be playing night in and night out. And if you're going to even keep Middlestat in the lineup, even though it feels like he's the one that's probably most worthy of sitting at this point, again, why why is he not getting the treatment of of centering Gergensen's and Opozo? But not even like it's necessarily a treatment though, just more so why is he not being put into the, the checking line role? I mean, I don't know. It's 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 odd to me because we, you know, we see today in the morning skate that Quinn is out of the lineup, like, or seemingly is out of the lineup. That's right. crazy to me. I don't I don't see why you would do that. Why would you bench that guy? I, I mean, 
we've talked about the trade type thing. I don't even know at this point what you trade Middlestat for. If it's just to get him off the team and get like a fourth or fifth and in, in return trade, he just uh, what is the team looking for in him? I think it's and you're probably I, I, in the, I think in the most likely scenario you're probably looking at like a Nylander Yoki Haru kind of deal where it's a couple of guys. I mean, more so in Nylander's case, he was the underperforming one at that point because Yoki Haru, I think people were still decently high on him and in Chicago there when he had come over after that, but. I think you're probably looking at a deal like that with maybe another guy who's fallen out of favor in an organization doesn't necessarily have to be a defenseman. It could be a forward too, you know, probably somebody that can go to Rochester then obviously, or just like a depth guy, but I I feel like if I'm wrong though, that was a D plus three trade, right? For both of them. It was, but I think Yoki Haru had playing time. He was playing with Keith for a bit and like for a short stint and then, right. Yeah. But we're in the middle of year, not the middle. We're in the early parts of year, Six for middle stat post draft. Yeah, yeah, shit yeah, is yeah. pure. Six. It's almost wow. twice as long. Yeah, I well, again, and that does beg the question of what you could get in return for him. But at this point, it's more like I'm more concerned about the roster spot because you know you're not gonna get a lot back. I mean, if you could get a lottery ticket, you know, at somebody that again, maybe has fallen out of favor with their organization or whatever then I guess, you know, conceivably, like, again, you got to pull the trigger on that where I'm focused on way more than what they get in return for middle stat is freeing up a, a, a spot in the top nine for Quinn and Asplund and Paterka and like all of those guys that just get regular minutes in Krebs too. I mean, I, I meant to say, yeah, in Krebs, like those guys should all be getting regular minutes in the top nine and be put in positions to succeed. And it just doesn't feel like that's happening right now kind of solely because of Casey Middlestat. I know you and I both are definitely on the trade Olofsson thing, and I don't want to be talking about it every episode, but it's going to be a thing until they do make a move. And so we kind of do have to keep talking about this because we're seeing, again, how it's affecting the rest of the lineup that they aren't moving one of those two guys, but specifically Middlestat at this point, not even, you know, putting them down to the fourth line. I mean, I get if you don't want to, to an extent, I guess I should say, I get like, you don't want to put him in the press box if it's going to hurt his trade value or whatever, or like the thought process behind that, like fine. But again, put the guy in a position to succeed and clearly he's not succeeding in the spots that they're putting him in right now. Yeah. We always say like, for example, what they're doing with middle stat, like you're showcasing someone for a trade. So middle stat gets top line billing as a winger. He gets to continue to be a center sometimes like they're moving him around, giving him different opportunities to get a good look, hopefully put up points. Maybe uh, is that what we think they're doing? Trying to showcase him for a trade, trying to I, do something like that or just trying to get him going. Conce- it could be one of these two people thing. Yeah. Either one. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing you could do is understand and that's what you would do if you're trying to pull one over on someone, maybe, uh, get a gullible or dumb GM in there, but I don't know. I feel like every year at NHL GMs kind of get smarter. I mean, in some ways it can get more conservative too, and they don't want to make these early season trades, but yeah, you could pull the wool for someone, someone's eyes, like the Ristolainen trade and be like, Oh, Hey, or take this guy. And the way you would do that is showcasing someone like, Hey, he's got these points. Look at him. Uh, on the other hand, you could try to. Uh, deal with the smart GM and you stick him on the fourth line. And then when he's on the fourth line, he's probably not putting up a lot of points and there's, but first of all, that's better for the team right now. And second, what you would see with other GMs is potentially smart GMs being like, maybe that's the guy we bet on. So maybe you're trying to attract like a smarter GM. In that and case. there's value in that too. We've seen guys who are those kind of bottom six players who go for pretty decent returns too. If you can show that you're a guy who, 
who can provide a, a solid scoring punch while playing in a checking line role, especially when it comes to trade deadline time. That's always the thing that we hear about, you know, with, with the main contenders is how can you add to your depth or, or beef up your, your bottom six, because by and large, at the trade deadline, again, you're just looking for kind of supplemental pieces to help put you over the top. And if you can get somebody again who can see the value in that, like you're saying, that's a that's a great point, Taylor. Yeah, I do that every once in a while. Here and there, <laughs> yeah, we we have those sometimes. <laughs> yeah, in general, though, it is kind of annoying to have that loss. I think if you would have lost three of well, – well, I don't want to talk about Vegas yet. If you would – you, you lose those two games last week with an understanding that those teams are just better than you. And frankly, I don't know how much we talked about this on uh, Monday's episode, but like they played well against Tampa. I don't, I don't think they got bodied at all or anything yeah. like that. I just think like the other day, Tampa has, you know, a better goal, even when they don't play better than you, they can beat you. It's a pretty annoying thing about them, to be honest. I think they're kind of too good and deep to have a good goalie, but as it just so happens, they might have the best goalie of the era. Pretty stupid, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> But yeah, do you have anything else to say about this game? No, I think just going back to my original question to just kind of put a a bow on that, I don't at all think of this as indicative of some bigger problem or anything like that. You can look at it from the team perspective. The team who we were watching down the stretch was completely different than the team we saw at the beginning of the year. And that goes for individual players as well. And it's just going to come with time. Like you, you have a lot of young guys on this team and a lot of guys that are really trying to establish themselves and Krebs and Quinn and Paterka and power and all of them. And they're going to just continue to grow into their games as time goes on here. And so I'm much more concerned. And I know it sucks because again, it's been so long without making the playoffs. It's been, you know, multiple presidential uh, turnovers since we have had the Sabres in the playoffs. And so I get it, the impatience and everything like that, but. Oh my God, it's been three, hasn't it? Yeah. And so we, but that's the thing though, is that, you know, we have to be patient. We knew coming into this year, what we were going to be getting into and what this team was, what they were really going to be. And they're on the right track. We know that. So it's not worth like it's Arizona in the beginning of November. It's not the end of the world. It's not losing to Montreal in like March or April or something like that. You know, like let's see who this team is and down the stretch and see who they are once they continue to get their footing under each other and continue to cultivate the confidence that they show when they play, when they're really clicking, you know, that's the team that I'm curious about seeing all the stuff that leads up to that is obviously important. And it, it builds into that. But again, I I would like to think though, that they're going to take a loss like this and take this current stretch they're on. And they're going to be able to come out on the other end of it. And again, learn from this and, Again, hopefully, you know, the whole point of, of what they're trying to do in this this slow build that it feels like they're doing it the right way is that, you know, they're going through the adversity now and they're experiencing this now while they're all coming into their own and growing as a team so that when the time comes, they're able to way easier navigate through and we're not going to have these stretches of games where, you know, oh, it's one that they should have won or if it's a bounce here and there, it's like, no, like they are going to beat Arizona. It's It's not going to be a thing. So it's all part of the process. I'm not really worried about it, but... What I am worried about or concerned about, interested in, I guess we should probably say, is the Sabres matchup on Thursday night as a certain former Buffalo Sabre is returning to town for his second appearance. Taylor, do you know who I'm talking about? No. Yes. It's William Carrier. It is William Carrier. Hold on. I just, you made me realize this. When Mitt Romney talked about binders full of women, that was during this current playoff drought really upsetting upsetting yeah just your presidential thing maybe think that about that wow shook me to my core i wish i didn't say that now jesus that feels like 100 <laughs> years ago um yes 
I know exactly who you're talking about, and I'll revere, reveal that answer just as soon as we hear a word from our sponsors at DraftKings. There we go. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. So I think at this time when I talk about bets, I'm going to rescind my bet that I recommended on the Monday episode, which was the over in the Bills winning as a parlay on Sunday. Not that I don't think the Bills are going to win, but now it looks like Josh Allen may or may not play, and the defense is still pretty banged up. The injury report of practice today was pretty serious. So I'd have a little bit less faith in that. Uh, I guess what I would look at in the app is, you know what? It's college basketball season. So here's what you do. This is not advice on how to win or whatever. This is advice on how to have a good time. This weekend, you're not doing anything. Maybe Thursday night, maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. Who knows? Or not, you're not busy. If you have ESPN Plus, you should. You're listening to a hockey podcast. All these games are on ESPN Plus. You know what else is on ESPN Plus? A billion college basketball games. Every college basketball game at the Division One level that doesn't have some other TV deal is on ESPN Plus. Every game. There's a, literally go on there Saturday afternoon. It's unbelievable. So find some game with two teams you never heard of. You aren't sure where they are. Just put a small amount of money on one of them. And, you know, have fun. You have a rooting interest now. Maybe you have a friend over and you have him put money on the same team. Or you have a friend you don't like and then you have him put money on a different team so you can beat him. That's my advice. It's not It's not really advice. It's not advice on how to win. It's advice how to have a good time. I'm better at having a good time than winning bets. Anyway, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Also, I guess I was supposed to be a reason an NFL team. You know what? Bet on whichever team you like on Sunday Night Football. Bet better, small bet, whatever. Here's the deal. I don't give great advice during these things, so <laughs> I think that one should be clear. Yeah. So anyway, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a five dollar pregame money line bet to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So the person is not William Carrier. He's been to Buffalo multiple times. It's Jack Eichel, who is having a nice little year for himself. Uh, if you remember, it's been a, a bad stretch in Jack's career right after the best stretch of his career. His 1920 season, where he was seventh in MVP voting for the Hart Trophy, was abruptly cut off by COVID. The Sabres, by like one point, missed the bubble playoffs, the 2014 bubble playoffs. And then he got, he hurt himself right before the next season, having taken 10 months off from Did hockey. You say 2014 bubble playoffs? 2014. Oh, I thought you said 2014. I was like, what the hell? Okay, my bad. <laughs> we didn't have one back then. We had a, like, a regular playoffs that featured America's two greatest cities, Los Angeles and New York, facing off. And in fact, Brendan, we watched that Stanley Cup end at your parents' house. You are correct. We did, as a matter of fact. Yeah, very late night. Anyway, so where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Jack Eichel had to take 10 months off because the Sabres' incompetence. 
and then had a rib injury when he came back, did not play well, and then hurt his neck, and then had to take another, God, almost year off. And then when he came back to finish last season, the last 30 games or so, whatever it was, he was not the same guy. He did not look good. They collapsed out of a playoff spot. Very humiliating. But they're back this year, and they're one of the best teams in the West. They're leading the Pacific. In fact, they probably have the best record in the West now that I think about it. They have been great, and part of the reason is him. He's more than a point-of-game player, but it's not just that. He His underlyings are awesome, and that was the case in Buffalo. It's, I think, one of the most underrated things about him at the end of his tenure uh, was what a good 200-foot player he had become by the time that miserable 1920 collapse season happened. Jeez. Well, it's one of our many. Um, so he's really to that point again where he's one of the better players in the league, one of the better overall you know, two-way, 200-foot centers, and he's scoring at more than a point a game. Now, it's still only good for 25th in the league, but considering his all-around skill, pretty good. And he's one of those guys that's not going to fall off from that pace, it doesn't seem like. So, now looking forward to that. I liked it better when he was kind of playing like shit. Yeah, that makes two of us. That makes two of us. Yeah, I actually I was going to tell you this after we hung up, but actually I will tell you now. I ended up getting tickets for the game tomorrow because oh, nice. very excited to see what the environment is going to be like in the arena and just, I guess, how bad the booing is going to be. If he's going to do anything that's going to feed into it at all is going to be really interesting to see. But he did have some comments. Uh, he met with the media today, being Wednesday, ahead of the game. And uh, some of his quotes uh, for what was included in that presser, he had said, I'm sure I'll get a pretty similar reception as last time. It won't be very positive. That's okay. I think I've learned to accept that. Buffalo was a special place for me for a while, and it still is. It is the place where I grew up in the NHL. I think whenever there is a bad breakup in sports and the player goes somewhere else, the fan base is always a bit upset about that. I think that means they care for you a lot, and they're upset that you're not there anymore. Things ended very poorly there. The fan base is passionate, and that's a good thing. I've learned to accept it, that they're probably not going to accept me, so I've just moved on. Not a far cry from some of his comments that he gave over the summer when he, I think, tried to walk back a little bit. His post-game comments after uh, he had ended up losing that game. Shout out Alex Tuck for that sweet empty netter. But what are your thoughts here, Taylor? I mean, I know obviously it is not the best to see things working out so well for him right now, but that trade could end up working out for both sides. One of those rare occurrences where both teams end up coming out. Okay. On the other side of it, obviously on the Sabres end, they're not getting a guy who as as of high caliber as Eichel is. But when you consider that not only do we have Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, but then you throw Noah Ostland and what he could end up becoming in the NHL into the mix. I think this could be a trade that ultimately ends up working out. Okay. But just generally speaking, give me more of your thoughts on, on going into this game. And I guess Eichel's relationship with Buffalo and the fan base. Well, it's interesting. So you mentioned having tickets. I have tickets to the St. Louis game on Thanksgiving Eve, 90s night, and Ryan O'Reilly should be there if he's not hurt. And he's been back since he got traded, I would say about five times probably in that range. Mm -hmm. And in that time, he got booed his first time, definitely. But is he going to get booed on this in this uh, coming game in about two weeks? I don't, think no, so. I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah, I think you come to a point eventually where you stop getting booed. It seems like the, the real thing is we talked about this when we, uh, people were debating whether or not to boo Eichel. Uh, back a few months ago, six, well, like eight months ago, actually. Uh, 
Everyone gets booed their first time. Even Brian Campbell, the guy that no one deserved to get booed less than Brian Campbell, a guy who wanted to stay and got traded. So it's it's it, but everyone gets booed their first time, and most of the time, right. we never remember it. The reason we remember Eichel, I mean, it's for a few reasons. He's such a big deal here. He was so important. There's basically he has his own era, and it was such a failure. And then he demanded to be traded, which is always tough. So he was always going to get booed, even more so than normal. And the reason that it's probably not going to fade out as much the second time around is because of what he said. That was that's what he said last time. That was his fault. That was his choice after the game, and. I mean, that's that's exactly why he's going to get booed probably even louder the second time around, which is pretty unusual. Now, with the fact that he is basically walked back the comments twice now, that you expect that he won't say anything outlandish after this game, and the fact that he plays in the Western Conference, eventually are we going to get to a point like we got, we're at with O'Reilly where it's like he's not going to get booed as much? He's always going to get booed to some extent, by the way, I uh, should say. Yeah, he's got that permanently. Yeah. At some point... It might get to that level, and he's working on it now. But, yeah, he'll get that kind of reception. Yeah. I mean, but what was the second part of your question? <laughs> well, I'll just say to that, too, first, just O'Reilly's departure and Eichel's departure, I don't even think are in the same stratosphere in terms of how ugly that was. True. And just everything that's happened, like, ROR didn't do anything necessarily that played into him wanting to be moved. I don't even know if he really even wanted to be traded, to be completely honest. I mean, God, like, everybody goes No! Back. Right. <laughs> he he, everybody... Yeah, everyone goes back to that post-game presser where he lost the love of the game, and it's like, dude, that that's like a good thing. Do you do you want this guy to just be like coasting and just being like, yeah, everything's great. I'm I love this seven... shit. Yeah, this I is love awesome. Them. I'm making $7 million to get my ass embarrassed every night. Like, good. That's accountability. <laughs> the same people. Joke's probably... on you. I love actually being body slammed by one dozen perfect wrestlers. Well, right, and it's like the same people who – and I know I don't mean to do the thing where we blend Bill's Twitter and Sabre's Twitter together, but the same people who were probably fawning over Josh Allen last week saying that he played like shit and that you can't win a game when the quarterback plays like shit were probably the same people who were like, we got to get O'Reilly out of here. That's not the attitude that we need. Like, it's bullshit. Of course, he's trying to be accountable for his actions. I don't know. So I don't think it's, it's even in the same stratosphere. Like, Eichel's situation is so unique and honestly us talking about it right now just has me thinking about how insane it would be if they would have traded him in the Eastern Conference in, in the division even like can you imagine what that yeah. relationship would be like it would be insane yeah. I mean it wouldn't be good no <laughs> it wouldn't be good for either not. side resentment it's bad folks yeah no I I do agree it's different but I think if Eichel hadn't said anything last time, it probably would have been smoothed over. The fact that he said something is going to be the biggest accelerant for all the future booings. Well, Maybe exactly. at some point it stops, but like, as an example, Hashik, that's an ugly divorce. Yeah. And it was a guy that actually won here, so you have to give him some credit. But, man, he uh, eventually he stuck around, and it's like around like 2007, 2008, were people booing him? Not really. And then, you know, he gets his own banner night here in 2014. And his, he goes up to the rafters, gets in the Hall of Fame, and now we're all in great terms with Hashik. It's like people don't even remember that he demanded to be traded, which right. is good. to be remembered for other things. I would well, demand it too at that point. And I think the thing really that it comes down to is really that post-game presser set the precedent for how people are going to view him probably forever here. Because if he had come out of that and said, oh, you know, like it was a hard-fought game and I understand them. But like if he would have said what he pretty much said in this, you know, what he said on Wednesday and just been like, you know what? 
I like had a great time last year. I grew up here. Like I understand they're upset. Like I'm not here anymore. What do you expect? Like, of course they're going to boo me. Like I want it out. People would have would like the narrative surrounding him would be so different right now. And I think also it probably people wouldn't be as quick to like have to, you know, make an evaluation on the trade being equal for both sides. I feel like Sabres fans and like, understandably. So, I mean, it's rare that like you're trading a star player and it kind of works out in that way. But I feel like in general, Again, people would have a, a much, just a significantly different relationship if he didn't go full nuclear like that. And I think in turn, not only would the relationship and how people reacted in light of that game be different, but to your point before, how he is going to be received pretty much at every game he plays in Buffalo for the rest of his career will be, I think, probably defined by that moment, no matter what happens, barring him like coming back or something crazy like that. Yeah, no, I agree. So the the thing though with the actual the the playing of the hockey is going to be interesting is they're kind of a weird weird little squad aren't they so going into this year for people that don't pay as much attention to the western conference there's obviously these questions about eichel what what is eichel going to be like is he going to be back to normal and he is and so we should also mention mark stone someone yep. that was hurt a lot last year and that's a huge guy to get back for them but the, Major the biggest thing about petriangelo too their big off-season acquisition, too. That was a huge thing. Yep. And then, but the biggest thing that happened in the off-season is Robin Leonard, out of nowhere seemingly, had to get season-ending surgery but long before the season even started. So mm-hmm. then they were kind of, uh-oh, <laughs> who's going to play goalie? So they had Logan Thompson, who had to play a little bit near the end of last year, and they also traded for Auden Hill. Logan Thompson basically had no experience and not much pedigree, and Hill has been a career backup, really. And those guys are not just holding their own. They're killing it. Thompson's at 930 in uh, nine games. Auden Hill's at 925 in five games. As a backup, Hill is uh, undefeated where Thompson is 7-2-2. Two, and two. So And Thompson's been – they've been phenomenal. Like, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, like, how yeah. good they've been. <laughs> you would think that'd be the weakness. I think you would think, like – is their defensive structure going to be strong enough? Are they going to score enough to, to make up for it? And th- the answer is it doesn't really matter. On the other hand now, so you have Stone back playing pretty well and Eichel. Riley Smith putting up decent points. William Carlson almost a point-a-game player. And then you still have, like, Pietrangelo. I think people have liked how he's played so far this year. And then everyone likes Shea Theodore, I'm pretty sure. Now, mm-hmm. the less said about <laughs> the bottom half of their roster, the better. But if you're getting good goaltending and you're, you're getting guys like – Peter Angelo and Theodore and Eichel and Stone especially playing well, you're gonna win and they are winning. So it's a it's a tough matchup, to be honest. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, Vegas, they're just it's such an interesting situation over there because with Thompson playing as well as he is, and again, that not being this like out of the box, like crazy surprise because of how he played last year down the stretch what is that going to mean for Robin Leonard after this year? I mean, they just signed him to a contract extension. What was it? Two years ago now, I think at this point, and he's, I think probably depending on how the rest of the year goes, if they continue at this, at this pace, safe to say, like he will be moved. Like, you know, Thompson will be their guy. He's younger. He's cheaper right now. And he's been more consistent, I think, than Leonard has too. Not to say that Leonard has been bad necessarily or anything like that, but they're just a very interesting team in general. Um, And, I think seeing how back Eichel is like how like really back he is and how he's kind of looking like his old self, 
you know, they're going to probably outperform. I think how you and I both, uh, what we had both projected for them this year, because I think we were kind of, maybe part of us was a little bit, uh, it was that decision was made out of spite for us to rank them where we did. I think we did. You I don't agree. I, it was made out of goaltending for me. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think to a degree though, it's like, not out of spite, but it's like, Oh, is Jack actually going to be back? Like what kind of guy are we going to get? Like he didn't look good down the stretch last year. Are we going to see that kind of guy? And like, we did, I, I put a lot of stock into that. I think for sure, because again, if you don't, if, you know, you're the top guy on the team, you know, and you are the source of high end scoring for your team and you're not coming through. It doesn't matter how much secondary scoring you have. A lot of times it's, that's not something that's going to be able to be overcome when you're, you know, a $10 million first line center. But yeah, I mean, of course there was question marks about gold too, but again, those guys are just killing it back there for them. I, you know, Petra Angelo, there was a lot of concerns about him in the preseason as well, even like getting that close into the year. And he's been off to a, a more of a solid start for them. And they've been getting, you know, decent depth scoring, like Riley Smith and, and Bill Carlson aren't like corpses and are contributing. And so, yeah, I, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting game, but I think that it's also at the same time, not going to be lost on the Sabres, you know, what happened last year and what this game means to the fans. And so I hope also Granado in a way kind of like digs into them about that a little bit. And it gets the fire lit under them a little bit more because again, the way that this is positioned right now, like Taylor, is there a better game for them aside from like them playing Toronto or something where it could be like them to really get back on track and write the ship with a game like this, where like the stakes for a November game are probably as high as you could probably ask for. Uh, I guess it would be. Yeah. I mean, this would be huge after how big of a disappointment Arizona was on Tuesday, right. or the Arizona game, I should say, and to help them avoid a four game losing streak, beat Eichel a second time. Yep. Second two and zero against him would be huge, and then just be the best team in the Western Conference. Who honestly, I haven't looked, but they might have the best record in the NHL right now. They're at least close if they don't. So I'll take a look. That'd be a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be it's probably going to be a great atmosphere. It's a Thursday night. It's uh, we're definitely uh, I think getting to the point where people are a little bit more tuned into the Sabers. But uh, like I said, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You can't expect. Uh, midweek games against non-draws to sell out because they don't have season tickets. I, could I, I also, I forgot to say this that time. That's another thing I wanted to say. By the way, if you're thinking of years like, let's say, 2012, 2014, 2017, years where like, oh, it's Tuesday against Ottawa and there's a lot of tickets sold. The building looks pretty good. You know why? Because there were a lot of season tickets sold. They didn't have to sell tickets. There's a gap now. So... Yeah, you have to sell tickets. You have to sell to these to any, any individual game has to sell. So yeah. Vegas will look good. Arizona games probably will not. Hey, if it's a, a, a Monday night after the Bills play on a Sunday, it's probably not going to look that good. So but this is going to look good, though. This is the positive side. I think you'd be probably dealing with close to a sellout, I imagine. So. Hey, it's it's going to be fun. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun to be in that atmosphere and see it in person. And Hey, quick shameless self plug too. If anyone's looking for a Sabres game to go to, as Taylor had mentioned, he's going to the Thanksgiving Eve game. I actually will be at the day, the game the day after Thanksgiving against the devils, the Sabres will be wearing their reverse retros and my band will be playing in the pregame and intermissions. So if you're looking for a, a game to go to coming up, go the day after Thanksgiving, you know, you're going to be full from eating all that food. What do you want to do? Let's go sit in a cold arena and watch the Sabres play the Devils, just as everybody wants to celebrate the holiday season. 
Yeah, and and the offer stands. If you go say hi to Brendan after his performance, he and ask him, he will shotgun a twenty-four ounce Yingling. I was gonna so, do a four loco, but I guess we could probably switch it to that <laughs> if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean they don't sell four loco, so you'd have to sneak it in. Keep that on the DL between us. Everybody listening right now, don't say anything. No, yeah, I would not be, cool. be shotgunning a four loco for God's sake. I've never done that. I have funneled one in my past. That's unbelievable. Was this pre-college? In college. In college. Okay, nice. Well, no, pre-college, I would have died. That's it. <laughs> you were drinking them right pre-college, though. Yeah, I but if I, if I funneled it. <laughs> you would be done. Yeah, you'd be done. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you have any recommendations, me in Brendan's backyard. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, moving moving on. Uh, I recommend uh, the, the Banshees of Insurin, which is a great movie. I just saw it yesterday with some of my good pals. And uh, wow, what a picture. Irish movie. Uh, I would almost – I would put like even odds right now that it's nominated for uh, at least one Oscar. I would say probably multiple Oscars, though, both performance and screenplay maybe. And then I, maybe a little bit of best picture possibility out there. Wow. Fantastic movie, Colin Farrell. It's a Martin McDonough directed movie with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, two great actors. Mm. Performances are great all around. Barry Keegan's in it. It's good. Um, forgetting what one of the other people's – the actor's name is this but hey everyone that i i was movie was good it's a black comedy it's very funny it's it's pretty devastating by the end but also uh just great all the way around really enjoyable film all right very nice i'm going to i, I made this recommendation last week and uh, well for or last episode i should say for andor um new episode came out on wednesday oh my god you need to watch this show taylor it was insane it was the first of what i think are going to be like several big pivotal moments in the series and it was just spectacularly done like i can't say too much about it because again for people who are trying to catch up like i don't want to spoil it at all and if i give any kind of indication of what the plot was even about not even what the end of the show was i i just don't want to do that but oh my god if you have not already go watch andor and once you get up to episode 10 you will thank me later. It is a plus star Wars, a plus television. Just awesome. So Taylor, I need you to watch it soon and catch up and watch episode 10. Cause I think you're going to really love it. Yeah. I'm excited for this. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, and speaking of things to be excited about Monday's episode, big announcements coming everybody. So make sure you are tuning in huge, cool, amazing new sponsorship opportunity that we're beyond hyped to be able to share with you all. But with that being said, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're using to listen to this episode. Check out our fellow shows and make sure you're dropping us a nice little rating and following or subscribed to the podcast. On top of that, also make sure you're following us and our presenters on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Straight Up Sabres. Last but not least, use that promo code THPN at checkout at DraftKings to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabers. Sabers.